0: Family service, so we're going to try to keep things light and keep things moving, and I'll try to keep the message to about an hour and a half today to keep kids uh, from falling asleep or getting too distracted, Um, but we'll try to get things nice and tidy here. Uh, but I'm excited to share today because this is a very exciting time for our church. Um, if you weren't here last week, I'm sorry that you missed it, or if you weren't on social media and want to try to recap basically what we announced last week in a few sentences, it won't do it justice. But we announced that uh, we have this amazing opportunity with us, too. We're going to be merging with another church right here in Brooklyn Park. It's called the Crossroads Alliance Church. Uh, and they're going to be donating 13 and a half acres of land, a 10,000 square foot building, and their people are merging with us to make one church. And that's going to be our merge Sunday. actually next Sunday. So let's applaud to that. And it feels so weird trying to condense last week's huge announcement into a few sentences. But if you have any questions, feel free. I'd love to share about it later. But it's just an absolute miracle what God is doing, and we're so excited for it. Now, this does not mean that we're going to be moving over to a new location. We're still at the high school for a while here, so I want to make sure everybody's aware that. It's just not big enough for us to do Sunday mornings there. But everything else we do um, as a church will be done at the new space. So get ready for that but as we're wrapping up this series today, said, we're talking about self-control. And over the last few months, as these merge talks have been happening, as all these exciting things have been happening for the church, it really took a lot of self-control for us to not maybe share things too early or not let things leak out. Uh, because we don't want people to find out too soon. We don't want misinformation to spread because we just know how damaging that can be sometimes. So it took us a lot of self-control. And for anybody who's asked me over the last few months for an update on land or what was going on, I just want to apologize to you because I just flat out lied so many times to so many of you. And um, honestly, I did feel it wasn't personal. And every time I got done, I was like, man, I feel like such a fraud. I remember I finally told my parents uh, not too long ago, because my mom would always ask me, hey, what's the update on the land, on how are things coming? And you, just, you can only lie to your mom so many times before you just say, okay, mom, I'm going to tell you something, but I can't leave this room here, okay? Um, but so we're very excited. We're here now, so... Water under the bridge, forgive me for lying to you, but uh, exciting times ahead for us here at Riverway. Uh, This is also a great time for us to talk about self-control, because we have a lot of opportunities to exhibit that right now. And Exhibit A for us uh, to kind of show self-control is the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, This is a great way for us to exhibit self-control, and I don't know if I really need to explain why, but I still will. Um, Who's already gone to the fair? Show of hands. Okay, a lot of you. Who's already gone more than once? Wow, still a lot of hands. That's... Wow, it's impressive. Who's going today? Anybody? All right, we have, we have a couple going today. Who's trying to stay as far away as possible from the fair? Wow, that's, that's a lot of people I don't like the fair. Uh, but our family, we went last Friday, our family of five, and we went last Friday. And we were there for about a good solid nine hours, which, yeah, I know. And we still all came back as a family of five. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> but we were there for a long time. And But we got home, even the next day, and my wife Betsy looks at me, she said, man, I don't feel like we did very much for being there for that long. I feel like all we did was walk around and eat the whole time. And I looked at it and said, isn't that the whole point? That's, that's kind of what the fair is all about. We didn't see the animals and all that stuff. I know, but we ate a lot of good food. And really, it's a, I kind of call it a glutton's paradise going to the fair. And I consider, you know, if you don't leave just so uncomfortable, you exhibited some self-control, okay? If you limited it to, like, the cone of Sweet Martha's Cookies and not the bucket, that's self-control. Um, but so, so many ways for us to exhibit self-control. Uh, the second way that we can exhibit self-control this kind of year, the second opportunity we have is more geared towards parents. Uh, but go ahead and show the slide. Uh, back to school. Oh, man. Back to school. i want to be one of the loudest applauses I get today, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but back to school in two days. Oh, two glorious days, and kids are back to school And so here's what I would encourage parents to do. Exercise some self-control. Try not to kill your kids during the next two days, okay? I know the stresses of all the last-minute stuff. I've been to Target a few times. You can just see the look on parents' faces right now, okay? They're kind of on a razor's edge. So a little more self-control, two days. But the second way we can show self-control is not let our kids know how excited we are for them to go back to school, okay? (laughs) We want our kids to know how much we love them and how much we really like being around them, but how much we'd rather have them be at school, okay? So just kind of... Tread carefully, but lots of ways for us to show self-control. Uh, yesterday, we made the great decision to go do a little light shopping at both Costco and Target on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, see, you already, are, you already know where it's going. It's, it's not going to end well. It never does. Um, but we exhibited a tremendous amount of self-control. Um, at one point there, I thought that we might just be a family of three uh, by the time we got back home. And we ended the day at Target, and we live very close to Target. And we're getting in the van, and I looked at Betsy, I said, I think I might just walk home, okay? I think, I think it might just be better for everybody, just a little, little alone time, walk home. And, uh, but the fun thing is that whenever we're working through things, whenever we're learning things, all these fruits of the Spirit that we've been talking about, is we always have ample opportunities to grow in them. And God gives us opportunity after opportunity to see if we can really grow in these areas. And self-control is no different. God always gives us chances to really prove, are, are we living with self-control And as I said at the top of this series a couple months ago now, whenever we read through a list of things, I think it's very important to look at the very first thing. I think we start off with an important thing, and the first thing in the series was love. We just talked about how important that is and how that shapes everything else that we do. But also the very last thing on the list I think is equally important. And that's what today is. It's self-control. These are kind of like the bookends of this list that Paul gives us. Because I believe that it's going to be really difficult for us to produce all these other fruits that we've talked about if we don't have self-control. Because I think that's kind of one of those ingredients that is necessary for all these other things that we've talked about. And so Paul shares with us this list of fruit or characteristics that will prove to others that we are indeed followers of Jesus. And I just wanted to recap that real quick here for us. In Galatians five twenty-two through 23, we read, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Such an amazing list, and it ends with self-control. And see, like what I said earlier, I think self-control helps us to love others, even sometimes when we don't feel like it. It helps us to be joyful no matter what the situation we may find ourselves in. Self-control helps us to find peace in the middle of chaos. It helps us to be patient when you're losing your mind doing back-to-school shopping. It helps us to extend kindness and goodness to others, even if they've wronged us. It helps us to remember God's faithfulness even when it seems he's nowhere to be found. And it helps us to be gentle when others are harsh. Self-control is the ingredient to every single one of these things. And I would say exhibiting self-control helps us produce all the fruits that we've been talking about. It's a pretty big deal. And King Solomon wrote this in the book of Proverbs, and he puts it so perfectly in 1632. It says, better a patient man or better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. One with self-control than one who takes a city. You see, true strength is the ability to exhibit self-control rather than destroy everything in our path. That's strength. Is can we exhibit self-control. I want to give you a definition of self-control this morning. It's going to be your first film, and I heard this from Mark Batterson, a popular pastor. And he put it so perfectly, I wanted to share it with you today. He said, self-control is making decisions against yourself. Self-control is making decisions against yourself. So let me put it this way. Anybody who has six-pack abs, you know, not me, has made decisions against themselves. You know, they chose to go to the gym when I would choose to go to the buffet. Anybody who has a PhD, they got it by going to the library. when well, A lot of us would just turn on the TV and watch the big game see, these people make decisions against themselves. And I could keep going with example, but I don't want us to feel too bad about ourselves this morning. When you think about world-class athletes, world-class musicians, they're constantly making decisions against themselves. They're making decisions against what they think would be more enjoyable, more entertaining, because they have a greater goal in mind. The same is true as us. If we want to grow in our relationship with God and fulfill all the God-given potential that he has given us, we're going to have to make some decisions against ourselves. We're going to have to choose something better than sometimes the good things right in front of us. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Now, that doesn't that sound like making a decision against yourself. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. It's exhibiting self control. And resisting temptation is also a decision against ourselves. And I love the way Rick Warren said this. He's the author of Purpose Driven Life, pastor in California. He said many Christians are frightened and demoralized by tempting thoughts, feeling guilty that they aren't beyond temptation. Well, let me tell you something this morning. There's not one of us who's beyond temptation. There's not one of us who are going to be tempted during different times of our lives. So let's not beat ourselves up when we're tempted, because we're going to be tempted. In fact, let's reframe that a little bit. Instead of just beating ourselves over temptation, why am I being tempted all the time? Let's look at it this way, and it's your next feeling here, is that temptation is an opportunity to once again prove ourselves to God. It's an opportunity for us to prove that we are committed to Jesus, and we're following him. And we're going to say no to that thing that might be so enticing because we know that God has something better. It's an opportunity. When that temptation comes away, I say, no, it's an opportunity for me to choose Jesus again and again and again. That's what it is. So what does this look like to prove ourselves to God? How do we make decisions against ourselves? James, who's actually the brother of Jesus, puts it this way, and I love what he wrote this in James 1, 19 through 21. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. You see, self-control isn't a knee-jerk reaction. It isn't allowing your emotions to drive your actions, but it's quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You see, it's easy to be quick to speak, to be slow to listen, and quick to become angry. And you know, those are easy things to do. But the opposite isn't always the easiest. You see, anyone can blow someone off because they don't want to listen to them. doesn't take any control. Anyone can blurt something out loudly to make sure they're heard. Or anybody can become offended or angry at the drop of a hat. But to do the opposite exhibits a huge amount of self-control. And that's what God wants to think for all of us here today. So I can't tell you how frustrating it was at times as we were looking to purchase the original land that we had talked about. We've had our eyes set on that for quite a long time. And it was just a slow process. We'd have a meeting, we'd get excited, and then things would just go quiet. Months would pass, we'd have another meeting. Okay, we think we're making traction here. But it just got to be frustrating. You know what? We could have kind of pressed the envelope. We could have made a lot more phone calls. We could have badgered the people, just, hey, what's the update? What's the update? We could have been a little bit more aggressive with that. But we weren't because early on in this whole process, we said, God, we're just going to continue to walk through the doors that you open for us. Although our flesh might want one thing, although we think that is what's best for us, God, we're just going to allow ourselves to go through the doors that you open for us. And thank you, Jesus, that he never opened that door for us because this door that he's opened is so much greater. But we never would have known that. But we are just committed said, say, God, we're going to try to exhibit some self-control here. You know what? We're not always good at it. But God, we're just going to go at your pace. And we feel like you're opening a door. We're going to walk through it. But this other one just never was opening. So we're just, okay, God, we're just going to keep listening to you because we believe and we trust that you have something so much better for us. So my question is this morning is, what decision do you need to make against yourself? What decision do you need to make against yourself? For some of us, it's very obvious. Maybe it's an addiction that you're struggling with. Maybe it's knowing that we're doing something outside the boundaries of what God has best for us. Maybe it's pretty clear to some of us. For others, it might be a little more tricky. So I want us to look at what Paul writes here in a letter to the church in Corinth that I think will help us out today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24, he says this. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training, or all athletes exhibit self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing, but I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So I think what Paul's talking about here is it's effort. It's putting forth the effort. Let's run, let's go for it. Let's go big or go home. Let's go for broke here. Paul's saying let's put the effort into it. I know in school they give academic grades, but does I remember back, you know, maybe it's been a while now, I don't remember, but when they gave like, grades for effort, uh, you know, like, yeah, you, you know, there's one grade for how well you actually did and one grade for how you tried, like, a, a for effort. And it makes kids feel good. But we want, when it comes to school academics, we want the actual good grade. But when it comes to our follow, following Jesus, I almost want that A for effort. I almost want to say, like, you know what, we're going to try. We're going to put our effort into this. When it comes to a relationship with God, I think it's a beautiful thing to strive and to put the effort into it. Because here's what it is. At the end of the day, God is not going to say, well said, good and faithful servant. He's not going to say, well planned, good and faithful servant, or well thought. But we want, all of us, I think, want God to say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because that means we actually did something. Something. We strive to be more like him and to love people the way that he does. We have to do it. We have to put the effort in. I love the term he says we're not just shadow boxing. And basically, shadow boxing is you're punching the air. And how boring would that get? It really doesn't really do much in the long run. It's like running a race without really knowing where the finish line is. You're just running aimlessly. There's no rhyme or reason whatsoever. And I think what Paul is getting at here is that if there's no goal. Or no plan, or no routine, it's not gonna happen. So, how do we do that? How do we gain self control? I wanna give you three quick thoughts here that I think will really help us all with that. And number one is establish goals. Establish goals. What does that have to do with self control? You might be asking, well, I think it has everything to do with self control. Because first of all, you know, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of things that we don't see. That's our definition of faith. So an absence of goals, goals that would specifically honor God, is really an absence of faith. And God, like, if I don't even care to set a goal, do I not think that you can help me attain it? So if you don't have goals, really, we're just going aimlessly through life to say, we'll see what happens. But God wants us to strive. He wants us to have goals. He wants to come alongside us to prove how powerful he is in and through our lives. Because if we don't know what we're going after... You know, we we'll really will accomplish 100% of the goals that we never set, right? But at the end of the day, how rewarding is that? How much of an impact do we make by doing that? You see, so part of self-control, your next feeling, is having goals that we are going after. That's part of self-control. Say, so I'm going to be disciplined, and I'm going to go after it. But we need our goals to go after, whether they're physical or spiritual or financial, I need a goal that I'm progressing towards to exercise the self-control to be able to accomplish it. You know, you may not realize by looking at me, but twice in my life now I've gone through P90X all the way through, which is pretty impressive and also depressing where I am today. But when I'm in the middle of something crazy like that, this crazy workout routine, this strict diet, this plan, man, my self-control is through the roof. It's kind of like, you know, flipping that switch and like, I'm in this thing. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'll go to eat, but I'm going to order the healthiest thing. I'm going to make sure I'm disciplined and hit this goal, okay? Because I have a goal. There's a reason that I'm doing it. But when I'm not in the middle of something like that, when I've reached the end of the 90 days, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just kind of try to be careful here. I'll just kind of maintain. I'm just going to be careful. You know, then it's like two years and 40 pounds later, just everything is back to where it was. But that's the importance of having goals. It's having something that you're striving towards. It's not just saying, "Well, I'm going to be careful," you know. "I'll just make sure that I don't do anything." That doesn't work. And maybe it works for you. Maybe you're just way more disciplined than I. Am, but I know it doesn't work for me. So that's why we need to have goals. We need to have something that we're going after. You know, one other thought is I've heard people say, "Well, I can just you know not sin by just making try not to sin." That, that's my goal. I'm not going to set up boundaries. I'm just going to. I'm going to not sin by just simply not sinning. It doesn't work either, okay? It doesn't work either. See, so you can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. We can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. You see, righteousness, your next villain, is not just doing nothing wrong, but it is doing something right. It's putting effort in a positive direction. It's doing something Right? And God just doesn't want us sitting here in our little bubble saying, okay, I'm just going to do nothing so that I don't sin, so that I don't screw up. No, God says, go do something, and go do something right. That's what he wants for all of us, to put it into action. You see, I think the reason many of us struggle with you know, sin habits or with addiction is that we don't have a greater yes that enables us to say no to something lesser. We don't have that greater yes that enables us to say no to the things that might be temporarily satisfying, but ultimately leave us feeling empty. We need a greater yes. We need a huge vision from God that will keep us busy and keep us going after him. You see, God makes people big with big dreams because we don't really have the time for other stuff. When we focus on him and we put our effort towards him and following him, he's going to do something awesome in our lives. Because we're not just sitting around hoping, waiting, thinking it's going to happen. We say, God, we're going to trust you, and we're going to take steps in that direction. So we talked about establishing goals. The next thing is establish boundaries. What boundaries do you need to establish or reestablish in your life? This is a part of self-control. How can I establish boundaries? You see, we have to define these boundaries and know exactly what they are. And after we establish those, we need to establish a routine to help us with those boundaries. I'll say this, that one of the most spiritual decisions that you can make every day, and I hate to say this, is when you set your alarm clock. Okay? I know it's a tough one because I hate setting the alarm clock. I'm a snoozer. My wife probably hates it, but I hit that snooze some days more times than others. But let me tell you that the earlier you set your alarm clock, the more of a decision you are making against yourself. You are starting your day by exhibiting self-control. So although we might not always love it, how can we start this first thing in the day? How can we get off on a good foot by exhibiting self-control? The next one here we talk about, establish boundaries, establish a routine. These things kind of really go hand in hand. Do you have a routine? Because this is a big part of self-control is how can I make my schedule, how can I make my day do what I want it to do? How can I tell my time and my energy where to go? What kind of routines, what kind of boundaries, what kind of goals can I set every day to make sure I'm walking towards Jesus instead of just wandering aimlessly? How can I put my effort in that direction? And really, it helps us to establish those in all of our areas of our lives. You see, when we can gain self control and we can set up boundaries and routines and goals in one area of our life, it's a trickle effect. Suddenly we're more disciplined in other areas as well, and that's the way that this works. We just got to get the momentum going. Self-control in one area almost always helps you gain self-control in other areas as well. Charles Spurgeon is one of history's most famous preachers. Um, If you've been in church for any period of time, you might have heard that name, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, But he's one that many people have looked up to, many preachers, pastors have looked up to. Uh, But there's one thing that he has said that I think just rings so loudly To whatever we're going through in life, to whatever situations we face in life. And this is what he said. He says, I take my text, or whatever it is I'm going to be preaching about or teaching about today, I take my text and I make a beeline for the cross. I take my text and I make a beeline for the cross. No matter what I'm teaching on, no matter what I'm sharing with others, I take that and I make a beeline. You see this whole series we've been talking about, the fruit of the Spirit. And so with that today, I just want to say is, what do you need? Right now, in your life, what do you need? Do you need love? Let's make a beeline for the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Maybe you need joy. I'd say, make a beeline for Jesus, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you need peace? Make a beeline for the cross. There we find the peace that passes all understanding. Do you need patience? I'd say, make a beeline for the cross because the Lord is patient with you. Do you need kindness? Make a beeline for the cross because his kindness leads us to repentance and to him. Do you need goodness? Make a beeline for the cross, for no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. No good thing will he withhold from you. Do you need faithfulness? Make a beeline for the cross, where he will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what we need, everybody, we make a beeline for the cross. Do you need gentleness? Make a beeline for the cross. I love, he says this, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for I am gentle and humble in heart. And finally, do you need self-control? Is this an area in your life that you need to grow in? I would say make that beeline for the cross. In 2 Timothy 1:7 Paul says for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power of love and of self-control of power and love and self-control so when we need any one of those things we know exactly what to do we make a beeline for the cross For God will give you a spirit of power and of love and of self control. Here we have those two bookend things that we talk about. We started with love, we end with self control, and we make a beeline to Jesus. He's going to give us those things because He is a good Father. And here's the important thing that I think we need to remember is that we don't strive to produce the fruits, okay? It's not our goal to say, How can I attain these things? Because that's our knee-jerk reaction is, okay, I'm going to strive for this. And we've talked through many ways so that we can grow and set up good habits in our lives to attain these things. But at the end of the day, those are not the end goal is to have these things. Our end goal is to be more like Jesus. And we can strive to be more like him. And we can strive to follow him and trust him. These fruits are going to grow in our lives. But when we just maybe try to make it about that one thing, okay, I really want this, Jesus says, don't just settle for this one thing. It's come to me and I'll give it all to you. So no matter what we're facing, we make a beeline for the cross. You see, we don't strive for love or joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or even self-control. We simply follow and submit to Jesus and he will bring all those things out of us. You see, we go directly to the source every good and every perfect thing and it's from him that these fruits will grow in our lives you see we deny ourselves that verse we shared earlier with Jesus said: we deny ourselves, we give up our own way we go to Jesus, we take up our cross and we follow him that's what we do we give up our own way we go to Jesus and we follow him and when that becomes our daily habit, our weekly habit, our monthly habit, our yearly habit, you know what? I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to go to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness, and self-control, all these things, they're going to come pouring out of us because we're directly connected to the source of every good thing. That's what God is calling us to. See, when we do those things, we are enabling the Spirit to produce in us every kind of good fruit that God has for us. So I encourage you today, no matter what area it might be for you, whether it's self-control, whether it's one of these other ones that we've talked about or that we just mentioned briefly this morning, whatever one that might be, make a beeline today for Jesus. Make a beeline the cross. Because your heavenly father is there waiting for you and he's ready to help produce these fruits inside of you. Will you close your eyes and pray with me this morning? Not that there's anything spiritual about closing your eyes. I think it just really helps us focus in this moment. And in just a moment, I'm going to give all of us 30 seconds just to quietly pray to ourselves and to pray to God. God, we believe here that God has the ability to speak to our hearts. You know, it's not, probably not going to be some audible voice you hear from God, but when we come before him, we believe that God can speak directly to us. And so I want all of us just to take a few seconds here and ask God to show us an area that we need him. And for many of us, we probably know already, and that you would bring that to God right now, that this would be a 30-second moment for you to make a beeline to Jesus and reconnect to that source of every good and perfect thing. Let's take the next few seconds and do that. Father, we thank you for your great love for all of us here. And God, in this moment, we just pray that you would help all of us to remember that we can make a beeline directly to you. No matter what we're lacking, no matter what we're struggling with, no matter what we're hurting with, no matter what we're in fear of, God, that we can come to you. God, you will replace that spirit of fear, the spirit of power and love and of self-control. So God, I pray today that we would all embrace that. God, you help us to connect to our source, to connect to you every single day. And that, God, out of those times we spend with you, God, out of our trust of you, out of our following of you, God, we'll see these fruits just begin to bloom and blossom in our lives. And God, people would see something so much different about us because of our following of you. So God, I pray that you would do all do that in all of our hearts today. God, even as we leave today, God, you would help us to navigate life. God, as we're bombarded with opportunities, God, with different challenges that will test these things, Lord, you will help us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, God, and slow to anger. And God, you would help us to grow in each of these areas and show your love and power to everybody around us.